I'm pretty excited for this word. I'm not even if you get nothing out of it, I got a lot out of it. That's what uh that's what I like. So last week Pastor Chad was preaching and it was a powerful word talking about God dealing with us and sometimes the stuff we're going through, God's putting us through to learn from, right? And it uh and I felt like God was talking to me about us being a body of Christ and uh, and some of you may be like, well, we are a body of Christ, so just bear with me as God speaks to us today. And uh, so during the week, Tuesday night prayer group, Pastor Chad steps into the prayer group and he starts talking about the body of Christ and he's praying for us, right? And then Thursday night, Kevin's doing the same thing and I'm thinking like, maybe there's something to what God showed me, right? Because we're covering it in prayer. So um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And uh Maybe this ain't for you, and at, at the end you can come up and you can pray for me because it's, it is for me. So uh, let's get into the Word. Ephesians 2 is where we're going to be at first. They should be up here because Connie made some awesome overheads. They, uh, man, this lady's awesome. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And I think all of us can say, yep, that was me. I was all messed up. I said, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And when I read that, it, uh, it's convicting because it said we were living these ways. We were carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, but then I think, like, I still do that. Right? Like, I still struggle with this. But God, being rich in mercy, I like that part, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. I'm going to read that again. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, that means whenever you were not where you should be, right? We were dead in those trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ. Alive together with Christ. Not separately, not individually, but together with Christ. And not together without Christ. It's with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated and raised up with Him, and seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Everything's in Christ Jesus. Everything. All of it. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. So when you look at me, don't think of me as like the guy at the church building. Think of me as the guy seated in heavenly places. I like that so much better. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. You couldn't do it. On your own, you were as disgusting as you were before Christ. That's where you were at. On your own, all your mistakes were your mistakes. On your own. When I do things on my own, they always fail. Or they look like success and then they bring misery. That's the way things on my own look. I'm like, ooh, I succeeded in that, and I did. But it wasn't good success. 
on my own. It says, and this is not your doing, it is a gift of God, not the results of works. I couldn't do anything to make it happen. Right? I couldn't read enough of the Bible, I couldn't pray enough for it to happen. It was because of God's grace that it happened. It's only because of Him that I was able to be changed. I had to just receive it. You can't do it on your own, and so many of us try to do it on our own. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast, for we are His workmanship. Not our own. Not created happenstance, not evolved into what we are. We are His workmanship. He created you. He created me. I know what you're thinking. Like, He did a great job creating me. And it's a true statement. He did a great job. And then I messed it up. (laughs) Created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's where the works come in. We were created for good works. Okay? We weren't created just to sit around and enjoy our salvation. We were not created that ever so often we may do something. And we weren't created so God would come along with our good works and try to fix them. We were created for good works which God prepared beforehand. They're the works that He prepared beforehand. So we don't have to sit around and wondering if he has something for us. He's already prepared it beforehand. Not the works we have, but the works he prepared beforehand. And that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. That is very important. doesn't say that we would sit around and hope they get done. Or sit around... And eventually, maybe God will have something for us. He said He prepared them so we would just walk in them. That involves movement. That involves doing something. And I'm going to jump ahead on that one, but let's go to Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you first created us, that you had a plan for us, that you called us into salvation, that you loved us so much that you spoke to us and you're still speaking to us. So the Lord, Lord, today I just ask you, get us out of your way. You prepare our hearts, God, that you speak words, God, straight to our hearts and that we would receive exactly what you have for us and each of us would be completely changed whenever this day is over. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think about this very thing that God created works, right? And we know that the, the apostles, whenever Jesus came to the apostles and he's talking to the apostles, he calls them and he says, hey, come, follow me. He said it to Simon, Peter, who was stubborn as stubborn can get, and he said, hey, come follow me. And Simon leaves everything behind, and he follows him. Andrew did it. We know Philip did it. We know that James and John did it, right? We know all the apostles, when he said, follow me, Instantly, they started following him, right? And, uh, and I was thinking about this very thought process of, of we do follow Jesus, but sometimes whenever Jesus says things to us, we're like, hey, man, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm all in. Anybody here ever prayed that prayer like, Lord, I'm all in? 
And then like, then you get home and you're like, whew, I'm tired, right? Or you're like, man, I got this thing going on. So, so I, I often think like, this is the way I follow Jesus, probably not you, but you know, he's sitting here walking and I'm like, I'm following you. And he's like, follow me. And you know, and he, he just keeps walking. And then I see my, my lazy boy, my recliner, and I just sit back, right? And I just stop. And Jesus is like, hey, I thought you were going to follow me. And I'm like, I was, but, but I'm resting now. I'm tired, you know. And it's one of those things of where we, we often think we're following Jesus, but then whenever, then we return to that comfortable spot, right? Maybe we got some video games we got to play or a movie we got to watch, or maybe we just need to sleep a little bit or whatever it is. There's always that thing that you know you're supposed to be doing something different, and that's where you end up every time, right? That's what happens when we follow Jesus often. He says, come and follow me. And unlike the apostles, we don't just leave everything and walk. I mean, they went everywhere with him. You know, whenever they were like, hey, we can't go into Samaria. We may get attacked. He's like, well, we're going anyway. And they're like, all right, let's do it then. Right? Whenever they were going to go raise Lazarus from the dead, what did Timothy say? He said, hey, let's go. We'll all die together. Right? He, he, was, assured, he was sure that Jesus was going to get them killed. And he's like, okay, let's do this. Right, But we don't always do that. We usually just walk until it gets a little uncomfortable and we sit down. And, I, I, and before we get too far in this, Ann did point something out to me the other night that was really good. We have a church who is so good at helping. We have a church who has a lot of leaders. So I don't want you to think that, that I'm up here saying, hey, we are messed up as a church. Is what this is to do is to inspire us to do more, right? And Anne makes bread for all the leaders, and she makes, I don't know how many loaves, but it's a lot. A lot more than a church this size should be having made. So we do a good job in that aspect, but God's asking us to do more, right? To be more, to be connected more. So I don't want you to think I'm, I'm trying to say, oh, you guys are messed up, because this is a, a word that was for me, and I'm sharing it for you. So. Uh, Luke 9, verse 57 says, And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And that goes back to that, I'm all in. I'll do whatever you call me to do, unless it's too hard, right? Or... Sometimes we're like, I'll do whatever you call me to do, God, but please. And trust me, I've prayed this many times. I'll do whatever. Just if it isn't too hard, that'd be better. And I've prayed that. I don't pray it anymore, but I used to. Like, Lord, whatever you got to do to get my attention. I mean, if it could be kind of simple and not that hard, it'd be better. But that's what we do. And Jesus said, no, I don't even have a place to lay my head. Which tells me he was always moving. He was always going. He was never stopping. He would sleep and go, sleep and go. And it, uh, we have to think of that. Didn't even have a place to lay his head. And we're thinking most of our lives are spent trying to make sure we have a place to lay our head, a car to drive, insurance, everything like that. We focus more on the stuff that God takes care of than we are on the stuff we should be taking care of. Right? He'll take care of it. 
But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. We often have that. Man, I want to be a part of this leadership class. Man, I want to make it to prayer group. Man, I want to do this. I want to do that. And then it's always like, but i got to take care of this other stuff first. And God wouldn't have called you, wouldn't have put that desire to be a part of something if he wanted you to be distracted by the other stuff, right? He can do both. He's God. He created the good works beforehand, before you were even saved. He knew it. So I think he can play them out. He can work them out in you. So we've got to remember that. We don't get distracted by the things that need to be taken care of. We're told. Hey, I took care of the birds. I took care of the bees. I take care of everything. The flowers, I'll take care of you. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And that's that's a tough one. I think this is where the church as a whole struggles the most is we come and we, we say our prayer, we, we get salvation. Maybe you come to the altar and you lay something down at the altar and you're asking God to fix it, and the first thing we do is we're looking back at it. We can't leave things behind. We can't move forward. We want to carry everything. We want to take care of everything because in our society, only we can take care of ourselves. Only we can save ourselves, right? But Jesus said, hey, lay it down, don't look back at it, and go. You're like, well, I still got to work. Yeah, you do have to work. If God called you to work, you keep working, but you don't look at all the work and everything. Instead, what if you show up to work and you glorify God? What if you show up to work and you do like he says and you you go and uh, you share the gospel? You proclaim the kingdom of God right there at work. What if you did that? What if you look different than everybody at work when you showed up there and you were proclaiming Jesus? just by your actions, right? Or what if Jesus says, hey, I want you to have a different job, it don't pay as much, and you're like, eh, I got bills, right? Whatever the reason, we have to make sure we're following, right? John 5, verse 2. Now, this is going to seem a little bit different, but, but stick with me on it. It says, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida, which has five roof colonnades. In these laid a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. I don't know how much five roofed colonnades, how big they are, but that's a lot of lame people. Even if they were small, that's a lot of lame people in one area. Okay? Blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who has been an invalid for 38 years. It doesn't tell us his age, but 38 years is a long time to not move. Right? It's a long time to sit there. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? It's always a powerful, tricky question. Because sometimes we don't want to be healed. Sometimes 
We like the misery we're in. Sometimes we like to stay where we're at. Sometimes we'd rather complain about a situation than for it to change. We get stuck right where we're at. We won't move. So Jesus said, hey, do you want to be healed? And the guy's like, woo, I'm healed, right? No, that ain't what he said. The man comes up with some excuses. Sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool, and the water is, when the water is stirred up and while I am going, another steps down before me. That's not just one excuse, that's two excuses. And we are a people of excuses. Started with Adam. It's that woman you gave me, right? Here's this dude. He's like, hey, man, uh, I would, but nobody will help me. Anybody ever uttered those words? Nobody's helping me. Nobody will help me. I would do it, but I just, I got to do everything on my own. I can't do it. Or when I want to do it, something else comes up, right? I would say those are the two main excuses we come up with as Christians. Oh, nobody will help me. Or something else came up. Someone stepped in front of me. He's talking to Jesus Christ, the same person we talk to through the Holy Spirit, and we still say the same things. We see what happened to this man, and we still make the same excuses. Blows my mind. Hmm. Jesus said to him, he didn't say, well, you know, I understand your struggles. You know, just sit there and keep doing what you're doing. He said, no. He said, get up. God tells me this a lot. Get up. Get up. And hopefully right now he's telling you the same thing. Get up. Don't just sit there. I don't care about your excuses. Just get up. When Jesus tells you to get up, the excuses don't matter. He's taking care of it. Get up. He's not waiting for your stuff to be fixed. He said, get up. I'll take care of that. All you have to do is obey. How beautiful is that? Just get up. What he tells him. And you're thinking, like, I got a lot of issues, man. I got a lot of stuff going up. You haven't been an invalid for 38 years. If you were an invalid for 38 years and Jesus said, get up, I can see you sitting there. But you haven't been. You've not. So get up, take up your bed, and walk. Pick up your problems and go. Walk. Pick up that thing you found comfort in and walk, right? Pick it up. It's kind of like that, uh, hey man, dust it off and walk it off, right? Just walk it off. Get going. Stop. We live in a society where like, oh no, we can't do that. You know, they need comfort and, you know, they, they're struggling and we've got to help them where they're at. And No, Jesus said, get up. Take your stuff and walk. Now, you know what he didn't say? He didn't say, hey, man, uh, I'm going to heal you. And then you can sit there and keep doing what you've been doing, right? He didn't say that. And at once, the man was healed. And the guy didn't get up and check out his legs and then sit back down and say, man, I'm healed. This is awesome. He didn't do that. He got up, took his bed, and he walked, just like Jesus said. Doesn't even say he looked back and like, well, what am I going to do now? You know, that's how I was making a living. People were taking care of me there. I was able to beg. He didn't say that. 
It says he took up his bed and walked when he got healed. We get salvation and we like to sit back down. Occasionally, maybe going to do something and then coming back and sitting back down. That's the way we like to do it. We like to sit there. When God's doing a good work, we, we would rather sit. But Jesus says, get up and walk. Just as in Ephesians 2 said, we have works prepared for us that we should be walking in them. Not sitting around. We walk in the good works. Imagine this. 70% of America, maybe a little bit more, still considers themselves Christians. What if all of them got up, grabbed their bed, and walked in the good works that God created for them? How much different will our country look right now? Don't amen me yet. This is probably a setup. Imagine how much different the world around you would look if you did that. Instead, we usually sit around and we're like, man, I can't believe these politicians are ruining our country. I can't believe they took God out of schools. I can't believe they took God out of my workplace. I can't believe God's not allowed in our country anymore. The only people who have the ability to take God out of anything are the people who know God. And that's you. So what if we got up, took our mess, and started walking out these things God had for us? What if we did it? How much different would people around us look? How much different would our world look? How much different would your family look? Because we got Christians who go home and look a lot different than the things that they tell their kids about in the Bible. And then their kids are like, that's heresy. My parents always said that, but they never lived it. You know, oh, I know that stuff's true, but, I mean, our family, we just didn't do that. But what if you did? What if you truly lived a biblical worldview and lived the way God told you to live? How much different would your family look? And you may say, hey, my family's all grown now. It's too late. It's not too late. What if they saw it right now? What if they said, man, there's something different in my mom. There's something different in my dad. There's something different in my brother. There's something different in my children. There's something crazy different. I don't know. It just looks different. What if people started seeing that? And you're like, oh, it's Jesus. Right? Because we always glorify Jesus. What if that was the way things happened? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. 12 through 30 is all real good. Make sure you get a chance to read that. I'm not going to read it all because it's long. But verse 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized, in one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. This is some good news here for us. We are one body. And as he's going to share here in a little bit here, as one body we operate together, right? We know that if you cut off your hand, you can't use it. You're thinking, well, you can put it on ice and they can reattach it. You can, but at the moment when it's unattached, you can't use it. Right? I can't be like, oh, man, I want that hand to use. We can't do that. right? So we need every part of the body to be active. But in the same part, 
The body doesn't die because the hand is detached. Right? But the hand does. We need the body. Maybe you think, well, they don't need me, which they do. The body needs you, but you need the body more than we need you. I need the body more than it needs me. I will die. If I don't have people like Pastor Chad to go to when I'm struggling with something, or somebody like Bob whenever I need to talk about something, right, or Randy or anybody, whenever I need prayer and I'm like, Ann, would you pray about this for me? I need that. They don't need that. Well, they do because we do need one another, but the body's made up of the people who follow Christ. And if we're not plugged in and we're not attached, we're the ones who die. Which is a very scary thing, right? But also, the good thing is, is when you're part of the body and you're struggling, the rest of the body steps in and helps out, right? So if I break my arm, the rest of my body will step up, do extra work until I'm healed. So this arm is healed, right? Now, if that happens for too long, the rest of your body starts getting wore out and it starts getting uh, aches and pains that it doesn't need to have, but it will compensate until you're ready to be back where you are. And that's the beauty of a body is we work together, we take care of one another, and when one's falling, we step in and we help them out. And then we get that other person or that other part of the body restored. The body is important because not only does the body consist of multiple parts and all parts are important, but those parts need each other to help each other out. I can't do this on my own. If I was trying to be a Christian on my own, I would be backslidden, broken, and hurt. And just like that arm that's detached, I would die off. I would have no faith. I would have no uh, walk with Christ because I wouldn't be able to do it on my own. And for those people who are at home, think about that. You need people. Now you're thinking like, I come every Sunday. If a hand was only attached to the body on a Sunday, it would quickly die. We are to be attached at all times. We're to be together at all times. And you're thinking like, well, we don't even have enough stuff at the church for us to be together all the time. This is a building. This is not a church. As Pastor Chad shared over and over, we're not a business. We're a body. We should be gathering together outside of these walls. We should be spending time together outside of these walls. We should be fellowshipping with one another outside of these walls. We should be helping each other outside of these walls. And inside of the wall, we have to connect together. Not, not just with Pastor Chad, not just with me, not just with leaders, but together, right? And you're thinking like, well, nobody ever invites me to anything. Well, maybe they're not being invited either. It's time for somebody to step up and make the change. We start hanging out, right? Somebody's got to do it. Why not us? We need one another. If you go down to verse 27 in that, in that same scripture, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now between verse 13 and 27, it talks about the need of 
every part of the body has a place and everybody has something they're supposed to be doing and it talks about the need for each other and you can't say, I'm not an eye, so I'm not important and I'm not a, an arm, you know. Every part has its place here. I can't do with what, what Randy can do and he can't do what I do. Right? We can't do what each other does. So now you're the body of Christ and individual members of it and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. But are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts? We don't all do the same things. We desire to do more. We desire to be used more, but we can't all do the same things. Pastor Chad is one of the greatest leaders I've ever met. I am not. I don't have that, that gifting that he has. So he helps me in that, right? He, he showed me things. He spoke things to me over the years. I am great with people. I love people. Kevin and I, we can sit around all day just loving people. That's what we do. So I get to help Pastor Chad in that, right? That's the way we do it. Like, if we just had a whole bunch of leaders in this church and nobody's loving one another, nobody's encouraging one another, nobody's speaking prophetic words to one another, who are you leading? What are you doing? Right? If everybody's just sitting around speaking prophetic words and nobody's doing anything, we'd just be like, well, we got a lot of words, now what? Right? You may even notice, like, hey, you know, there's some stuff in this church not being done. This body's not doing. Hey, guess who's supposed to be doing it? The person God's speaking to about it. Right? I've uh, always loved when Pastor Rod, somebody come up to him like, hey, you know, we should probably be doing this as a church. And he'd be like, great, when are you going to start doing it? Right? Because I didn't put it on his heart. He put it on yours. So as God's telling you, and maybe you're even sitting here like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Even better, it makes you a blank canvas. God can write what He wants to on you now. You don't have preconceived notions of what God wants to do with you. Talk to one of us. We'll get you plugged in. There's always toilets you need clean. Always. That's what we do. It's a, it's a great way to start out. But we have to desire these things. We have to want to be more, Right? We have to understand that. And it, uh, one of the things, yeah, one of the things that I, I, as I was looking at this, I was thinking, what does science, what does the world say about the body? Um, and there are a lot of medical things that speak of this very thing about the human body, which is probably why God uses that as an example of the body of Christ, right? So, do you know if you laid in bed for just one week and you did nothing for one week, do you know how much of an impact that has on your body? I know Margie does. Margie can get up here and tell you everything about the human body. She's smart like that. But One week. One week in bed, you lose 1% of your muscle. Just one week. One week in bed, you, lo you lose uh, 1% of your bone density. So some things you don't even think about. Like, I don't even think about the bone density, right? But if I lay around, my bones get fragile. I'm easily broken. 
right? If I lay around, my muscles are easily torn and they lose any kind of strength. If I lay around. And that's just in one week. Think about when you miss, miss one week in the body. Right? Whenever I miss one week, like if I'm out somewhere and I don't get to be around my people for one week, I feel it. I literally feel it. I know it. Right? I'm going to be calling somebody and we're going to get together because I feel it. I, I can't do it for one week even. But some people, we go long periods of time without it. And it's horrible. And you're like, yeah, yeah, but maybe I'm like a heart. Hey, guess what? The heart keeps beating no matter if you're laying down or not. But it gets weaker as you lay there. It gets harder because the blood vessels even start to constrict some. And they, they start wondering what's going on because the muscles aren't being used. They don't have to pump the way it was pumping. Therefore, it starts becoming vulnerable. That's how strokes start happening. That's why people who lay in hospitals still get worse and worse is because they're laying in hospitals. And you're thinking, like, they're in the hospital. They shouldn't get worse. No, they're still laying. Right? Your lungs. After one day, your lungs, if you lay for one 24-hour period, your lungs start like losing the form of what it should be because you're made to be upright. It starts getting harder to breathe. That's why people who lay for long periods of time have to have oxygen, right? That's what happens. Because the body has to be moving. The body has to be upright. The body has to be the way it was designed to be. And you can go on and on for things. Your, your, your skin starts getting weaker. You, you get prone to sores. You get prone to, to tearing of your flesh. You get prone to a whole lot of things because you're inactive. Your body is inactive. It's the same thing with the body of Christ. When we're inactive, we're prone to break. We're prone to get hurt. We're prone to lose our strength. We're prone to not be able to, to feel the breath of God in us. We're prone to these things because we're not moving. We're not doing anything. An inactive church body is a body that's dying. An inactive body part is a part that's going to die. It will die. And you think... And I know you guys all heard it, even you guys in this church building, you've heard it over and over from people, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And that's true. You probably don't necessarily need to if you die pretty quickly. But over a time period, all that's going to die off. Because God created us to be a body of Christ, to do this together, to live together, to fellowship together, to lift one another up. When we're struggling, we go through things together, right? We help one another out. That's what we were designed to do. And we were supposed to do it. Ephesians 2. Remember, or it says, Therefore remember that at one time you, Gentile, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at the time, at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to, to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. We had no hope before we knew Jesus. None. Before we were 
saved, before our sin was taken away, before we were cut clean, right? We had no hope. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Hmm, I like that. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He has made us one. He breaks down the walls of hostility. You may think, like, I've been hurt a lot from churches. Great. Come on in. Jesus will break down those walls of hostility. Come on in. He'll make you one. Tell you why you don't become one is by sitting at home and saying, I've been hurt. It's not how you become one. Because whenever you start cutting down God's people and those who are one with Jesus, you're hurting yourself just as much as them. For he himself is our peace, who has abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. I like that. One new man. And this is talking a lot about Greeks and Jews. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to be to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Now I want you to, to get, get this thought here of, and he came and preached peace to you who are far, peace to those who were near, for through, the, through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. We both have access. Now I want you to think of this. If you have a disagreement with your brother or your sister, if you, you thought one, one body of Christ did something different, or if you think, I just don't like the way this was, and through the Holy Spirit you enter into prayer and they are entering into prayer through the Holy Spirit, do you think God's happy with that divide? Do you think that's healthy? Do you think maybe there's a reason why Jesus said, hey, go and make, uh, get for forgiveness, go forgive your brother, and then come back to me? He doesn't want a division in his people. We're one. It's really hard to pray together if there's division in us. It's really hard to pray together if we're separated. It's really hard whenever we're not in communion together for us to be like-minded. And if we are in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is in us, we would be like-minded. There would be no division in thought in that. We would all have the goodwill of God at heart. But whenever we're praying and we're separated or we're divided, there's no unity. We're called to be a unified church. We know that this body of Christ right here is called to help people and to be here for people. We know that the people Jesus is going to bring in are people who are searching for Him. Not programs. Not the good stuff we may be able to do, right? We used to have breakfast every single Sunday morning. We all loved it. But if people left for that reason, then they weren't here for the right reason. 
If they left for any other reason, they probably weren't here for the right reason. God's calling people into this church who are seeking Him, who want to be unified in Him to be one body. That includes everybody that's listening, everybody who's here, who are to be unified in one body. Him being what we seek. Him being at the forefront of it. Not like, man, I'd like to have this done, I'm going to make sure it happens. No. We want to come, we want to worship Jesus as one. We want to do the good works He's prepared for us as one. Not just individuals, but as a body of Christ. We know these visions Pastor Chad's been getting from God. We know the good works He wants to do here. And most importantly, we know He said, hey, share the kingdom of God. We should be doing that as a whole. These are things we should be praying about. He has bigger things for us. So, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Everything we do, that's our cornerstone. We will build off of Christ Jesus. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows in a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We're being built. We're going to spend eternity together. If we can't start being unified here, it'd be uh, pretty hard to do later on, you know. We can we can start establishing the kingdom of heaven right here. And it's going to be a really smooth transition when we get to heaven. But we can do it here. We don't have to wait for the goodness of God. We don't have to wait for the unity of God. We don't have to wait to see God do miracles. We don't have to wait for God to do uh, healings. We don't have to wait for God to do great works for when we get in heaven. We know that's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. We spend eternity with Jesus. But we can do that here. We can start it here. Sure, it's going to be flawed. It ain't going to be as good as what we're going to have there. But what if we started here? What if there's something better here and it's because we're walking in what Christ has developed for us? What if? Ryan, you guys can come up. Yeah. I, uh, one last thing I'm going to share as they get prepared here. And, uh, Pastor Chad likes to make sure before we ever share the scripture that you know it's not about socialism. And that's Acts 4. I didn't give this to Connie because it just came to me this morning. Acts 4, verse 32. And, uh, and it's not about socialism, it's about you because we often hear people say the church should be doing this, the church should be taking care of people, the church should be doing these things. And it's usually attack on a church building or a, a business of the church is usually what people are trying to attack. But it, we are the church, right? Pastor Chad's not the church. Our elders aren't the church. They're leaders in the church, but they're not the church. As a whole, we are the church body, right? So whenever Scripture tells us that the church does this and the church should do that and the church this, that's us as a whole. Not like, man, I hope Pastor Chad gets this taken care of. No. He can't do it all. Believe me, he'll try, but he can't. He'll fail. It says, Now, the full number of those who believe 
believe were of one heart and soul. The full number were. Not some, not divided numbers, but the full number were of one heart and soul. What if that was the case? What if we all came together in one heart, one soul? We all came together in Christ. What the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that's what we're going to listen to. What God's doing, that's what we're going to do. One, not separate, one. And no one said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own. This is a... This is usually a hard one for Christians. But everything you have is not yours. Nothing you have is yours. And this isn't a this isn't a word about money. As Pastor Chad said, we don't want your money. But if you live your life with what you have is yours and you can't trust God with it, there's a big issue. For you not for this church but for you you know a lot of people always want to ask about tithing you know where your heart is is if you're tithing or not tithing is not an offering tithing is actually an obedience to the Lord it's what he told us to do it's no different than when Jesus said don't steal you don't steal when Jesus said you tithe you tithe and you're thinking like well that's easy for the church to say No, it's easy for me to say because I've seen God do great works in that. If you can't trust God by being obedient in the small things, you will not be obedient in the big things. Small things are how we're trained. Small things. You know, your kids, you didn't say, hey, whenever they were two years old, you didn't say, hey, why don't you go out and uh, get you a job, get you a house, go ahead and start your own family at two years old. You didn't do that, but you started testing them. You started training them. And that's what God's trying to do with us in the small things. These things aren't our own, right? But they had everything in common. I like that. I I don't even know what that looks like. A group of believers coming together and everything in common. Didn't mean they were all the same because we know from the body that we are all unique. They had everything in common and with great power the apostles were giving their Testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. Not a needy person among them. Could you imagine if the church was being the church? There wouldn't be a needy person among us. And that's not just this body, that's as a whole. 70% of Americans, billions upon billions upon billions of dollars in churches every day. And if the churches were being a church, even ours, there wouldn't be a needy among them. Now, mind you, as a body, we are called to work. As a body, we're called to do things. Right? So that mean you come for free handouts. These people are all in one mind, doing things together. As for as many were owners of lands and houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it 
at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. Thus Joseph was called by the apostles, the apostle Barnabas, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought it the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and sell your stuff and bring it in here. I'm not telling you, hey, get rid of your goods, get rid of this or that or the other. And I'm not even telling you to take care of the needy in our church body. But I'm telling you to be obedient to what God's telling you to do. Right. Start walking in the good works God has created you to do. And then if we are in a common unity in these things, we will start, we'll stop seeing the need. We'll start seeing changes in our communities. We'll start seeing changes in our homes. We'll start seeing changes everywhere if we act as a body. Right? Your hand. Get to work. Your foot. Maybe you're like, ah, I'm more like a nose here. Hey, still needed. Keeps dust from going up into the brain or something. I don't know what it's for, but it's for something. God didn't create anything that has no purpose. Right? He didn't do it. And you may say, well, there are body parts we don't need. Well, they know now that they, we've, we used to use them. Now, because of our society, some things aren't as important, but they're needed. Right? You were created for a purpose, for good works. And I'm, John's going to take down the lights for us, and we're going we're gonna to pray. And uh, he's going to transition the, to the other card. So this, this camera will not be live, but the service will still be going they'll still be able to hear us uh but if you need prayer and you're not where you're supposed to be we want to pray for you we want people to pray together we want to act as a body because we know that jesus heals right we know we believe in physical healing here we believe god does a great work we believe when the elders lay on hands that things can actually happen that miracles will happen but not just as a individual body, but as a body as a whole. Right? If he's going to heal my individual body, he will heal us as a body as a whole. So whenever our hand's not doing what it's supposed to do, he'll heal that. Right? We can pray together and we can ask for these healings as a whole. We can do that. We could stay sitting and never walk if we want to. But we can today we have the ability to stand up and walk. To take our junk and take off. Right? So, I'm going to pray for us. This altar is going to be open. But everybody stand. I feel like if we're going to pray about uh, walking, we probably should stand up. And uh, Yeah. He didn't tell him to stay seated, did he? He said, get up. So, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for being a common thread amongst all of us. Thank you, thank you for creating this body, God. I love these people, Lord. And you love us even more. Lord, right now, I just ask that you would search our hearts, that you would speak to us, God, if there's anything keeping us from walking with you, for walking in the good works you created for us, Lord, I pray right now that you would be revealing those to us. Lord, I pray right now that if we're not actively a part of the body the way we should, Lord, that you would show us that also. 
We ask for healings in these ways today, Lord. God, I pray you do a great work in us, Lord. God, we are a body of Christ that wants to glorify you. We are a body of Christ, Lord, that wants to see great works done here. Use us, God. Do mighty things right here, Lord. We don't go to church, Lord. We are the church. We are your body, Lord. And we ask for healing today, God. We ask that you speak to us today, Lord. If you need prayer, we'll be up here to pray with you. Uh, don't leave here without prayer if you need it. sitting around that happened by being in the gym. We have a church body that if we exercise and work out together, we're going to be like those guys that Arnold Schwarzenegger has around him, right? We're going to be huge in the body of Christ. We're going to be a big body. We're going to be like, that is one muscular body of Christ over there. Man, they look good. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I like what he's saying, but I just don't know all the stuff I have going on. say trust God unless you can trust the Lord and actually hand it over to him you'll never do it if you trust the Lord he can take care of anything that's what happened whenever you're an invalid and you're laying around for 38 years he's alright Lord I'll trust you and he could have said, sat there and said well I haven't been on walk for 38 years why would I be able to now he could have said that and everybody would be like yeah good point he didn't say that. He stood up. He said immediately. He got up. Right? And that's what we need to do. We have a body of Christ to walk through it with us. You're not on your own. Stop trying to carry your burdens alone. We're a body of Christ. We're in this together. Right? There's midnight phone calls we get. Hey, we're there with you. It's three in the morning. You call Kevin. He may not answer right away, but he'll get back to you and he'll say, hey, I'm with you. Let's do this kick these doors down, right? We're not alone. Stop thinking you're on your own. Stop thinking it's too big for God. We can do this. We're a unity. We're unified in one body, so let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for how much you love us. You are so amazing. Grateful that we get to love you back. Gotta pray as a body, Lord. You would exercise us, that you would work us out, that you would help us get stronger, you would help us be able to go faster and farther, Lord. God, we want to be that muscular body of Christ that other people notice. Wow, there's something to it. Use this place. 
use us, God. Let us be one. We don't want division, God. We don't want hostility. We want to be one with you. As we walk out of this place today, Lord, let us leave all the negative behind, God. Let us walk forward in you. Let this not just be a a body that meets on Sundays, but Lord, let us be a part of the body all day, every day, God. Let it be lasting, God. Let us glorify you, Lord. As you as our head, Lord, we cannot fail. So guide us, use us, and help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.